Coming to you recorded but live from the Monarch Theater Studios in beautiful Western Massachusetts, this is the Radio Eclectic, the show that gives you music and conversation like radio back in the 1970s and 80s when music was king. For the next hour, brand new music and banter that will just fill the space between great songs. So sit back, relax, put on your headphones, and tune out the rest of the world. You're in my house now. I'm the Mapman. This is the Radio Eclectic, a presentation of Monarch Media, a division of Monarch Comics. never happened to the other fellow. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're getting a chance to listen. Thank you for joining me once again on the Radio Eclectic. As usual, I'm your host, The Matt Man, and you know what? I can't believe we're already into November. When you work in the shipping world like I do, you measure your year into 10 months of non-peak and two months of peak. November to December becomes a huge blur, and after 20 years at UPS and the past eight years at Amazon, it's sort of just a way of life, but... But you are not here to listen to me complain about my schedule. You're here to listen to some awesome, amazing music. So that's what I'm going to provide for you, starting now. Now, I'm a marketing major. I love when an artist does something to hook you in. Ozzy used to bite bats and doves' heads off. The Sex Pistols swore on live morning television. And the band Surreal offered a free download of three songs. After about 20 seconds of one song, I was online ordering their bundle and reaching out to Corey Lennox for an interview and just to gush about how much I love Surreal. Progressive rock can go one of two ways for me. It can be way too pretentious and long and drawn out. Or it can be challenging music within the framework of a song. And Surreal give me that feeling, that feeling I get when I listen to Marillion, to Rush, 80s Yes. It's where the song comes first. Now, to say that I've become obsessed with this band is a huge understatement. And after hearing this song, you will be too. They're in the final stages of putting together their latest album called Prismic Spectrum. And according to Corey, it's either going to be out by the end of this year or early 2024. Until then... I can at least catch up with Star Maps and Constellations and The Rush. And I'll tell you how you can get these amazing albums. But first, this is Surreal and Orion.
Lennox, guitar, vocals, keyboards, Brandon Horsley, keyboards, Daniel Graham on bass, and Jeffrey Matthews on drums. That is surreal. You can go to surrealband.com and click on the Ultimate Surreal Bundle, and just for 27 bucks, 
you get two live actual physical CDs, the entire catalog on digital download, a picture, autographed by the way, a sticker, and again, all for 27 bucks. Or you can just get the free sampler and get hooked right there and then go back and get the bundle. I'm really mad that I didn't get a t-shirt when I ordered the bundle, but maybe next time. Once again, www.surrealband.com. If you have never heard of Broadbrook, Connecticut, don't worry about it too much. Not only is it my hometown, but it's the home of the Broadbrook Opera House. Founded in 1892 and reestablished again in 2018, it's a home for all of your event needs, like weddings and parties and private events. It's a beautiful old building that has a lot of special memories for me, and now is the home for some great live music. The venue has an amazing sound system, perfect performance stage, and great viewing no matter where you are seated. There is plenty of parking, and I will guarantee you this, no matter who you go see there, you will enjoy the experience so much, you'll be looking for every and any opportunity to go back. On the web, it's broadbrookoperahouse.com. You can like them on Facebook and check out their ever-growing list of concerts. Rock, pop, soul, classic rock, alternative, national acts, and homegrown talent. The Broadbrook Opera House is where you will now call home. For an up-to-date list of all concerts, go to broadbrookoperahouse.com and click Live Shows.
who ever thought in 2023 we'd be getting not only new music from the Rolling Stones, but awesome music from the Rolling Stones. The name of the song is Angry from their latest number one album called Hackney Diamonds. To me, this was such an unexpected treat. It seems like it was like that for so many people. Nobody knew what to expect, but I don't think anybody expected what we got. And I can't get over how great the songs are and how just brilliant the performances are. If you're waiting for a good reason to pick it up, I can give you 12 reasons because there's 12 songs on it. And you even have on one song, Live by the Sword, original bassist Bill Wyman and the late great Charlie Watts on drums and Elton John on piano. That is just awesome stuff. Please, please, please check it out. You'll definitely thank me for it. More awesome new music. From our good friends at Frontiers, I introduce you to Hugo's Voyage, a band that has a real awesome feel-good sound that will become very familiar as the song starts to play out. Right now, the less I say is better, because I want to know what you think about it, where your thoughts go, where your emotions go. From their debut album, Inception, this is Hugo's Voyage, and I Don't Want to Live Without Your Love.
band and that song remind you of Journey? There's a great reason for it. In 2005, Voyage was formed as a Journey tribute band and have been getting rave reviews for their pitch-perfect performances. Hugo Valenti on vocals, Robbie Hoffman on guitar, Lance Millard keyboards, Greg Smith on bass, Dana Spellman on drums. Now, this is that band making their own music. And to tell you that this album is fantastic, I'm not doing it justice. It is amazing. I absolutely love Journey, and I think that they were the perfect storm of musicianship, songwriting, and of course, Steve Perry. The album was released on November 10th, and it is brilliant. Voyageband.com is the website with tour dates, including a stop near me next week in Wallingford, Connecticut on November 17th at the Oakdale Theater. They even added a show at the MGM in Springfield in March, so I really have no excuse not to check them out. Journey-inspired, Mattman approved. And I sent this link to Striper guitarist Oz Fox, who is a huge Journey fan. I just sent it, so I don't know what he thinks. But as we record, I'll let you know. Comic book fans are incredibly loyal to their favorite books, their favorite characters, and their local comic book shop. But unlike sticking with a character through thick and thin, if your store isn't giving you the best variety and selection, the best discounts, and an overall welcoming feel, you will go somewhere else. For close to 20 years, I've been getting my comics and related merchandise at Most Excellent Comics and Gaming. Located at 483 Enfield Street in Enfield, Connecticut, Most Excellent is huge. New books, trades, back issues, collectible issues, graded copies, supplies, toys. If gaming's your thing, there's plenty going on. Magic, Pokemon, you name it. If pops are what you like, Most Excellent's got you covered. Great prices, excellent discounts, that is Most Excellent. On Facebook, it's Most Excellent Comics and Gaming, and on the World Wide Web, www.mostexcellentgaming.com. When I started to put my notes together for my interview with legendary keyboardist Greg Hawks, I started re-listening to The Cars and came away wondering why I never think of The Cars as one of my all-time favorite bands. Five amazing albums from the original lineup, countless brilliant songs, but on a business level, 23 million albums sold in the U.S., 13 top 40 singles, and Rock and Roll Hall of Fame members since 2018. Sadly, we lost the voices of the band with the passing of Ben Orr and Rick Ocasek. But as you'll hear from Greg, the spirit of the cars is alive and well with Eddie Japan. Greg, you got your start in music with comedian Martin Mull. I mean, that's kind of an odd way to start. So how did that all happen? Boy, let me think. I was recommended for the job. This was like the year before the cars. I knew his drummer, and Martin was going to do a show in New York, in Central Park, as a matter of fact, an outdoor show. And so he wanted to expand the band. So I was hired to play mainly like saxophone, clarinet, and flute. I played a couple novelty instruments, harmonica, and like uh, little toys, xylophone. And uh, but I loved it. I uh, Martin was such a funny guy, smart guy. And for me, it it was like being in show business. It was like you know I had been in bands before. You know he would do little comedy bits in between his songs. I really enjoyed it. What was the music scene like in Boston in the mid-1970s when the Cars first got together? I was growing up in Connecticut. I was only about 10 or 11 years old, so there was no way I was traveling up. But I heard the legends and the legacies of all these great clubs and these great bands out of Boston that were kind of percolating in the 1970s. So what was it like? What do you remember the most about it? As far as the clubs, uh, it, there was a club called The Rat, which is really where the cars played. That was, and a lot of the local groups, if you played original material, you would 
play at the Rat. The name sort of describes the club. It was downstairs. It was like stinky. It was kind of a fire trap. In fact, I think the place burned down eventually, or or I don't know about burned down, but there was a fire uh, which led to its closing. But there were some other clubs. Uh, boy, the Channel, the Paradise. We played at the Paradise a little right before the first album came out, and then. Then again, a few times once the record was out, but mainly the rat. And and I even saw uh, the police the first time they came to Boston, played at the rat. And uh, I saw talking heads there when they were still a three-piece band uh, before Jerry Harrison had joined. Amazing, amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah. When the band's debut album came out in 1978, sold six million copies in the U.S., hit singles everywhere, and it just seemed to explode. Were you and the guys prepared for this in any way, or was this an absolute shock? It exceeded our expectations, uh, I guess would be safe to say. I mean, I figured since we had already had some radio play with just what I needed on one of the radio stations, WBCN up, up here, we figured it would at least be like a like a regional hit, uh, you know, around New England and, and you know, Boston. And uh, so when the record came out, Boston started playing it. But also we got a lot of airplay in New York as well right away. And then Los Angeles pretty soon. It took, I don't know, most of that year for it to sort of infiltrate you know across the country and it must have been a whirlwind being inside of that machine because candio in 1979 panorama 1980 shake it up in 1981 did you get to enjoy any of the success at all or was it just record tour record tour i enjoyed it uh because you know it was exciting and especially uh those first couple of records the first record and and uh candio you could just it was exciting just watching it grow each time we went back to a city it was like oh you know what this theater's bigger than where we were before when we just played at the club and and so on pretty exciting from a creative standpoint rick okasik was obviously the songwriter in the band you had some co-writes with him but from a creative side, were you able to put your own sounds or certain keyboards into particular songs, or were they already just kind of pre-made? I did, like, virtually all the keyboard stuff uh, as far as input, and we all did. We all brought our own talent to the band and, and at rehearsals. I mean, Rick, when Rick would present a song to the band, it would usually be his his guitar and him singing and the band kind of filled in the arrangements together something that i always wanted to know who decided who would sing what did rick write a song with ben in mind or was it worked out in the studio wow some of each some of each i think kind of early on i think it was more rick was thinking oh i think ben ought to sing this one and you know ben why don't you try this one i think you know uh, you know, I think you'll be good at this one. I mean, I remember a, a quote 
from one of Rick's interviews somewhere where he said, well, if a song needed a good singer, I'd give it to Ben. <laughs> but, but then also kind of later on in the studio, they would each take, you know, do a turn of doing a lead vocal. And then you would just sort of, it would sort of become evident which one, you know, people preferred or, or so. Uh, the last song, all mixed up, Ben sings the lead vocal, but Rick had sung it live up until we were in the studio. And so that's, that's one instance where it got switched. And I honestly can't remember like whether it was uh, Roy Thomas Baker's suggestion, our producer, or, or whether it was Rick to suggest it to Ben. Uh, I I honestly can't remember, but yeah, that's one instance where uh, it got switched in the studio. She shadows me in the mirror. She never leaves on the light. And some things that I say. Bite. It's all me. 
this may be a negative sounding question. I certainly don't mean it to be this way at all, but was there any res- <laughs> was there any resentment from the guys about the attention Rick was getting, especially in the videos? Because I remember seeing videos and thinking, wow, he's not even singing this song, but he's in the video an awful lot. Did Was there ever any problems with that? Yeah, you know, there. I think there were starting to be some grumblings around that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can I could point to like the video for the song Magic, for instance, where the band is barely seen. Uh, you know, uh, kind of in the background at the end, and you know, as as time went on, it it sort of some of the inequity within the band became more apparent and or or became more of an issue heartbeat city was huge in 1984 you couldn't go anywhere without hearing songs a bunch of singles a lot of videos uh-huh. and then the next year you guys find yourself on the world stage at live aid and i'm i was watching the video yesterday and i'm thinking what was going on in your mind when that curtain opened and you just saw a billion people it's pretty uh, surreal i guess and I mean, what I was thinking was sort of, boy, I hope we get through these four songs without something major going wrong. Because <laughs> in fact, there's, there were a couple of funny little things occurred. Like Rick forgot to sing the first line of the song Heartbeat City. And, and also when we played Drive, David had some electronic drums up, set up with his, with his regular drums. And because of the heat, they just started randomly making noises. And you can kind of hear it. They just, it's like this little sort of bangings, you know, not, you know, not so that you would notice, but, you know, it's, it's just, that's what I remember, you know, those, those kind of things. Were you able to maybe afterwards or even before take a look and see some of the other bands? Because there was a lot of history that day. Yeah, there was. There was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny, I remember uh, watching Madonna with Paul Schaefer, of all people, band leader from The Letterman Show, because he was there with somebody else. That was, oh yeah, that was when uh, Phil Collins did Led Zeppelin Reunion. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, all, it was all pretty surreal. As a keyboard player, and even David Robinson is a drummer using a lot of electronics, did you guys ever feel in the early days that you were limited to the technology, or were you not thinking so far ahead? Early on, I just had two or three keyboards, my little mini Korg synthesizer, then I had an ARP Omni, but but nothing was like sequenced, so everything was hand played. But by the time of the Heartbeat City tour, I had some uh, keyboards that were pre-sequenced so that I could play other keyboard parts live. So in that sense, I don't know, in, in retrospect, it locks you into a certain arrangement and playing at a, at a certain tempo, and you can't necessarily want to extend the song spontaneously, say, which you could if you were just all playing live and kind of look at each other. It's funny because I was into the technology at the time, and like, wow, you know, I can... I can program this, and then I can play this, and then I can add this. And in retrospect, I th- I think that 
that can that that's ultimately limiting. It takes out the spontaneity. Yeah. So it's it's a mixed blessing, I guess. Now, how did it feel? And I know this is a dumb question, but how did it feel to get the nod to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? And was it hard to do that without Benjamin Orr not being there with you? It was. It was great the, to get in there. It, it was. The third time, the, you know, it took us three years of being nominated because uh, we didn't get in the first two times. Personally, I hadn't even really paid too much attention to the show in years and didn't watch the award show particularly myself. But I'm really glad to have had the opportunity because it ended up being the last time that the four of us were together and... The fact that we were in Cleveland just sort of, it felt like Ben was there in spirit anyways, being him being from Cleveland. Yeah, so it was, I, I would, I'm thankful for that. You also got to play on my favorite Paul McCartney album of all time ever, and that is Flowers in the Dirt. And wow, wow. How was how yes, it, yes. how was it to what work with Paul? Hey, I, he was great. You know, it was like such a thrill. You know, the, the Beatles were my total inspiration for wanting to be in a band. And then, wow, there he is. And, you know, and I was, it was like, gee, should I even mention the Beatles? You know, does he not want to talk about them? Is he sick of it? And, but sort of within five or ten minutes, you know, he just started telling, like, Beatles stories. And he was so, like, at ease. And, you know, so it was it was such a thrill. And finally, let's talk about what you're doing right now, and that is Eddie Japan. How did you get involved with them? I worked as as a producer on one of their uh, CDs they they write their own songs and they have uh, several CDs out I don't know five or six of them probably and uh, the one I worked on was called the Golden Age after they had like a like a record release party they asked if I wanted to sit in at the end of their set and you know maybe do a couple of car songs so I did you know I had fun it went great and stuff and and so, but then a few months later, they kind of approached me with the idea of, well, what do you think if we did a whole set of Cars material? And then I, I, I was fairly reluctant to do it, to tell you the truth, and had, and I kind of had to think about it and and let them sort of pitch me on the idea for a little while. Then, so then I said, okay, I'll do one show and see how it goes. I had a lot of fun. They were great. They, you know, they learned the songs, you know, and and all on their own and did a heck of a job doing it. They just, they play it really well. They take care of the business. They, they book the shows, which makes it, you know, all the more easy for me. And, and it's still just an occasional occurrence. Like we were only doing six shows this year, the one... Upcoming is, I think it's just number three, and then we have three more sort of in November, and then that's it for this year. How does it feel for you to get back to playing some of the greatest music ever recorded that you were involved with before? I'm really enjoying doing it, and and I also will tell like little anecdotes in between some of the songs about there's anything funny about how they were, were recorded or anything. So I do tell little stories somewhat in between.
interview was a crap ton of fun, and I want to thank my dear friend Kathy Wagner at Panzeiler Entertainment for setting that interview up, and the Broadbrook Opera House for bringing Eddie Japan with Greg Hawks to the house for one of the most enjoyable concerts I have been to in a long, long time. Over the past few months, I have seen The Unforgettable Fire performing the music of U2, Bad Animals, The Heart Tribute, and Double Vision, The Foreigner Experience. On stage, these bands were amazing, performing some of the greatest songs of all time. Off stage, the members were fantastic. They were friendly, cordial, and really appreciative of everybody's time. Behind the scenes, at least I'm told, that booking these bands and dealing with their agency is not like doing business at all. Diving a bit deeper, I discovered that the entertainment group for these bands and many more is Panzeiler Entertainment. If you are getting out there to experience some live music or looking to book some great artists and deal with a top-notch agency, go to panzeiler.com. There you're going to get information on the artists, also including Beginnings, a celebration of the music of Chicago, 33 and a Third Lives Killer Queen Experience, and so many more. Also for original artists like Rick Emmett, Joel Holkstra, Brandon Gibbs, and Chasm Sultan. Over the next bunch of months, you're going to hear some interviews that I have done with Panzeiler clients, thanks to my great friends at the Broderick Opera House. And know that if you're booking a Panzeiler artist, you're going to have first-rate service and support from Kathy and the gang. If you're going to go see one of these artists, you are in for an incredible time of music, memories, and fun. That website, www.panzeiler.com, and that is P-A-N-Z-Y-L-E-R. And shame on me for this one. I completely forgot to mention the song. That was Time Machine from Eddie Japan, a song that's just fun. Like the entire album Pop Fiction is, 11 songs all like that. And I don't mean they're all the same. I mean, they're all just fun. You can get a copy at eddiejapan.com, and there's three shows in November with Greg Hawks, Sidery Winery in Boston on November 10th, The Met in Pawtucket, Rhode Island on the 17th, and at the Lizard Lounge in Cambridge, Mass. on November 25th. Bringing great entertainment to New England since 2011, JKB Entertainment Group knows what acts you want to see because they're fans as well. For more information, go to limelightmagazine.com and click on events. You can like them on Facebook and follow them on Twitter for up-to-date information, including new shows being added all the time. As I patiently await the latest issue of Rock Candy Magazine with Alice Cooper on the cover, I decided to just sit back and listen to another awesome release from Rock Candy Records. With Europe releasing new music recently, I decided to revisit John Norum's first solo album called Total Control. In 1986, Europe had just released the final countdown and things were going gangbusters for the band. And then, completely out of the blue, guitar player John Norum left. John said then it was because he wanted to make heavier music than Europe was creating and knew that as success came, the music would get a little softer and more radio-friendly. But in reality, he was pissed off at the band's management. In 1987, John released Total Control, an awesome album that confused me back then because it sounded just like Europe, and that's a good thing. It's a great album redone by Rock Candy, and I'm ashamed to say this. I just discovered that John Norum didn't sing on the song we're about to hear, like I always thought. John has an awesome voice, very Joey Tempest. But on this one, the job was given to Gorham Edmund, who would go on to sing with Yngwie Malmsteen for about a week. Rock Candy Spotlight is on John Norum, who went back with Europe, thankfully, in 1999, and he's still there with a classic lineup. Still making amazing music. I got to see him a few years ago on stage, and they are fantastic. But right now, this is John Norum and Back on the Streets. Someone's taking your love, it's true, it's 
Once again, rockcandymag.com for the magazine and rockcandyrecords.co.uk for the CDs. In closing, I have to admit, John Norm has got to be one of the most underrated guitar players on the planet. I'm just saying. When I think of some of the best comic and pop culture shows happening in Massachusetts, I think of the amazing times I continue to have at a Gary Summer show. Back in the day, it used to be an adventure that may or may not have included an alligator. And today, it's still an adventure. If you like comics, Northeast Comic Con and Collectibles Extravaganza is exactly what you need. If you like music, then Music Con is exactly what you want. They also have the High Life Celebration and the Wizard Fest Magic Convention. So don't worry, Gary's got all your bases covered. Not only are the shows put on by Gary, but at every single event, you can say hi to the king of pop culture himself. And to make it real easy, these shows happen at the Boxborough Regency Hotel in Boxborough, Mass. So between the show, a concert, karaoke, your room, awesome dining, why do you need to go anywhere else? On the web, NEComicCons.com, and on Facebook, Northeast Comic Con and Collectibles Extravaganza. And if you didn't already know this, Gary's also written a sci-fi rock opera called Beasties. That, like any great rock opera, has an original studio cast recording. For CD and book information, go to BeastiesRockOpera.com, and I hope to see you at a show real soon. Aloha! Witch hunts aren't about hunting witches. They never were. Anyone who knows me has accepted the fact that comic books are an important part of my life. I've been reading and absorbing the comic book culture since 1974, and I look at the 70s and early 1980s as a great time for comic book fans. Back then, there was so much variety, style, and quality in not only the art and story, but in the overall production. There is one comic company that holds true to those principles, delivering quality comics, books, and trade collections. Monarch Comics has been delivering action, suspense, and humor since 2007. Monarch Comics lineup includes the award-winning and wicked funny Saga of Evil Monkey Man and their flagship title, Witch Hunter. This book has received rave reviews from everyone, including Herkus and comic legend Jim Shooter, who said, Monarch Comics won't let you down. Not only does Monarch have comics, but they also have a line of books, Monarch Books. The latest from Monarch Books is Black Sabbath, The Vinyl Testament. You can find everything you need to know by going to www.monarchcomics.com. On Facebook, it's Monarch Comics. Just look for Witch Hunter. Monarch Comics and books are available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and comic book stores worldwide. It is absolutely hard to believe that we've come to the end of the show, but we've got another awesome song for you as part of the Monarch Minute, which is brought to you by Monarch Comics. Comics the way they should be, fun, and that is at monarchcomics.com. Here I get to get all geeky and talk about comic books and pop culture stuff, and let's start off with a book called Red Light from AWA. First of all, I love AWA. Their quality and commitment to telling great stories with beautiful art is setting the standard for the industry. Red Light is about a robotic sex worker who has been giving feelings of empathy and compassion. And in the trade, it is not a good mix. Rumpus Room is another one from AWA that is fun, scary, and a bit creepy. Canary is a Western from Dark Horse Comics written by Scott Snyder that is a three-issue series, and the first issue really gets you thinking about a lot of stuff. Oni Press gives us Dwellings, a comic book that looks and reads like an old Harvey comic, but following the first F-bomb and popped-out eyeballs, you know that it isn't hot stuff in Richie Rich. It's a great, great series. Three issues. First issue is awesome. Can't wait to get the second. Now, on the negative side, Star Wars is winding down their Dark Droids event. It's not good. 
this can't end soon enough. Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong just started, and I'm loving it so far. A lot of books for me are getting a shorter leash. If they don't grab me right away, they're gone. At $5 a book, I don't really have time to build up or grow in a story. So my philosophy right now is you got to hit me right away. For our final song, this is music that really fits with Monarch Comics, the Monarch Minute, and what we've been talking about. And that is a song called Unravel the Sorrow from DGM. The band is out of Italy. They have a real free, flowy, proggy, power metal vibe going on with this album. And the new album, Life, is going to be released on November 17th. It's a solid album. I think you're going to like it. And I know you're going to love the song. I want to thank you all for listening. I'm the Matt Man. Have yourself a good one till we rock again soon. Brand new from DGM. This is Unravel the Sorrow.
And that is going to do it for another episode of the Radio Eclectic. I hope that you enjoyed our time together as much as I did, and I really hope that you discovered some great music. Now go out, spread the word that awesome music is alive and well. From my website to find out where all my podcasts are and my monthly album charts, www.originalnatman.weebly.com. My latest book, Black Sabbath, The Vinyl Testament from Monarch Books, is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, and so many other booksellers. Signed books can be attained by contacting me at matmancomics at yahoo.com or by visiting my Etsy store, Original Matman. The Radio Eclectic is a presentation of Monarch Media, a subsidiary of Monarch Comics. Monarch can be found at monarchcomics.com and on Facebook, just look for the picture of the smirking witch hunter. Thank you to all who support this show and make it more than just me talking for an hour because nobody wants that. I'm the Batman. Thank you for sharing your time with me and have yourself a good one till we rock again soon. <laughs>